The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Thursday morning. It is June the 23rd, 7.03 on your Tucson Thursday. Good morning, and uh, you're listening here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson, as we are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. Glad to be with you here on another full day of sports talk and uh, plenty of news going around. Lots of events still happening, even though we're getting into the dog days of summer and the uh, Stanley Cup finals probably going to get wrapped up in game number five after the, I don't want to call it a debacle. There was certainly some controversy. Certainly uh, uh, John Cooper of the, uh, of the, uh, of the Tampa Bay Lightning, I almost said the Buccaneers because I'm looking at a Buccaneers page right now, uh, of the Tampa Bay Lightning certainly wasn't, happy with the way that the game was officiated last night, specifically in the overtime and the goal being scored with an extra skater on the ice. I, the player wasn't involved in the play. I get it. You know, you know I get both sides. Um, I, I'm in, in a situation like this, when the championship is on the line and you're playing in, in, a, in an overtime situation, I still believe that you just let the players sort it out. Like if, if you call a penalty there, I, I feel like you're, the, the player was heading to the bench. Obviously, he wasn't involved in the play. He was almost completely. He was almost off, off the ice. And you know, I know, I get it. Almost doesn't count, and he's still on the ice. And rules are rules. And I just, I feel like you know, he wasn't being checked by anybody. So uh, like, it's not like he, you know, not like one of the one of the Tampa players was out of out of position, being assigned to him, skating after him, things like that. He he was obviously leaving the ice. Now, granted, it did cause a little bit of indecision on the winger um, that was that was in that zone. But uh, again, I, I still think you let you let the players sort it out specifically in overtime, um, and and at all costs, you have to protect that area in front of the net. I just, I mean, period, end of story. You shouldn't be worried about a guy that's forty-two feet from the net. Seriously, uh, you just you you must protect that that section at all costs. So. If a guy's got his back turned to the play and he's 42 feet away from, from the goal, forget about it. Let him go. He's, he doesn't matter anymore. Get, get to your assignment. Get in front of the net. Check somebody that's there. Deflect a, a shot, whatever you have to do. So, uh, it, it, look, I, I, give, I give credit to Colorado. That was, a, that was a tough game. That was a really good game last night. Tampa took the lead one nothing, and then it kind of just went back and forth from there and ended up 2-2 going into overtime. It was, it was a good game. Uh, this has been a, a pretty good series. I mean, you have the two times, uh, two-time defending champs. Obviously, they're going to make a series of it, and then you have the juggernaut that is the uh, Colorado Avalanche. You've only lost three games now in this entire Stanley Cup postseason, which is just remarkable. Uh, one hell of a run by them. And I fully expect them to close things out at home in Denver uh, over the weekend. The NBA draft is going to be tonight. We have been discussing that, that uh, the draft, uh, the, the, the show begins at 5 o'clock tonight uh, on ESPN. I'll give my draft predictions just specifically for the three Wildcats. I, I, I've kind of been pouring it over. Um, I, I mean, honestly, like the last three weeks, I've really been kind of going over it all. I feel like I've arrived 
at a decision of, of where if, if I were going to be making a, a prediction just for just for our three guys that are in the uh, that are in the draft, I I believe that I've arrived at the at the landing spots for them, and uh, we'll go over that here coming up in just a uh, just a few minutes before we or after we set the tables here for uh, everything that's going to be going on in the show today. Speaking of the show, Shohei Otani, good grief, man, that guy. He he just continues to impress. I mean, he's not he's not the most consistently spectacular player in the game of baseball. Um but my goodness, when he has when he has moments and he puts a you know a string of them together, it is just remarkable to watch. Last night strikes out a career high 13 batters on the mound just a night after getting a career high 8 RBI in a game where he hit multiple home runs. And that's the kind of that's the kind of duality, and you're going to get from Shohei Otani. And it it's it's a it's a, a a thought that I've had several times. We've all had it as sports fans. If you're going to be starting a franchise, which player do you start a franchise with? And I've had this conversation before with people, and I've thought about it internally about in regards to Major League Baseball. There are a a litany of spectacular young players in major league baseball and if if i had to do it if i had to start a franchise and i had to pick a guy you know under the age of 25 who i'm going to start a franchise with it's going to be shohei otani i just i can't not like passing on him like if i were to choose anyone else over him i would be looking over my shoulder regretting it the entire time you just can't pass over a talent like that. A guy who can go out, you go out and get you two uh, two home runs, a grand slam, eight RBIs one night, and then strike out thirteen guys and get you the dub the next night. Like that's just ridiculous. Oh, and by the way, he'll lead the team in triples and stolen bases and stuff because he's also the fastest guy on the team. <laughs> like, like I, you can't you can't pass up on him. Like so, that's who I would start if, if I were if I were starting a major league baseball franchise. That's who I'd start my franchise with. So it got me thinking. We'll do that topic today because I feel like there's plenty of of time this off season to kind of mull it over. Why don't we just get the ball rolling? So I'll put together my list. We'll probably do it in hour number two. My guys uh, in each of the four majors who I would start my franchise with guys, players that are uh, that are under the age of 25 that I would start a franchise with if I were, you know, owner, GM, coach. You know, we're playing fantasy sports here, folks, today. Uh, if I were owner GM coach of a franchise in in, in any of the the four majors, uh, you know baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, who would I start my franchise with? So we'll talk about that a little topic today. I still I'm still kind of mulling over some of the decisions. You know NFL, NBA is the tough one because like everybody in the league's under 25, <laughs> so it's like well maybe I have to cut it down to like 23 years old in the NBA or something. But no. Um, We'll do that in uh, probably in hour number two. We'll talk about that because I have a lot of stuff I want to talk about in regards to the uh, to the NBA draft. And uh, my choice for the uh, NFL player that I would start with might surprise some of you. So uh, stick around for that. We have uh, plenty to talk about in there. Benedict Matherin getting a lot of, uh, obviously, a lot of publicity. He is going to be a high lottery pick in this NBA draft. And they're saying that the, the, the first three picks are, are pretty much set in stone in fact vegas took the odds off the board just about 30 minutes ago you can no longer bet on um the top three picks because 
it is basically common knowledge who the top three picks are going to be and in the order they're going to be in. Now that leaves a run of great players remaining from four to this is a really good NBA draft. I'm actually, I'm actually really optimistic about players in this draft. I mean, getting, you know, getting, uh, uh, you know, contributions for players, possibly, you know, players that are going to be starting on an NBA team at some point within the next three, four years, you're looking at a depth of into the 30s in this particular draft for that particular, you know, those particular parameters of guys who have starting potential uh, in this draft. So it's it's a very, very deep draft. It is it is not top-heavy at all. There are three, you know, I, I would say consensus best players in this draft, but there are some guys sitting right behind those top three that are getting a lot of pub, Benedict Matherin being one of them. In fact, one of the writers, one of the national writers, I can't remember which, which whether it was like CBS or Yahoo or uh, Bleacher Report or something like that, um, said that, that Benedict Matherin has all the makings of a multiple-time all-star. And I listen, I agree. If you haven't gone to the, uh, the Arizona Daily Star's website today, Tucson.com, if you don't have a subscription or whatever, that's you know, that's fine. Whatever. I think it's like five bucks a month to uh, to read the, you know the the paper online. Essentially, uh, there's an article that Bruce Pascoe put out there. Um, it came out last night, I believe. It is a it is a lengthy article. I mean, and it, when I say lengthy, like even for Bruce, who's you know, quite wordy, <laughs> and we love him for it, but he does a great job. This this is a, a very long article, and I'm not going to steal any of his thunder. I'm just going to send you to the website to read the article. If you haven't read it, it's about Benedict Matherin's life and a lot of things that maybe you, as the fans, didn't understand about Ben and his ascension to where he's at today and the struggles that he went through in life. You know, you think, you know, kids from Canada. It's like, oh, Canada, they don't have any problems up there. You, you would be wrong. You'd be wrong. Um Quebec can be a very, very um, vitriolic place. It can be a very unforgiving place, to be honest with you. I, I've, uh, I know people from there, and uh, they, they no longer live there for a lot of reasons. And Benedict Matherin was brought up in a, a, very, difficult, uh, a very difficult situation, very difficult uh, lifestyle neighborhood um, in there in, uh, in Montreal. So... Uh, it, give it a read. It, it is a it is a lengthy read. It is one thousand percent worth it, though. And like I said, I'm not going to steal any of Bruce's thunder because there is so so much in here that is so good. Um, and it's just something I feel like if you're you know if you're a fan of Wildcat basketball, which I'm betting that 99 percent of you are that are listening right now, and if you're you know a supporter of Benedict Mathen, which I'm also betting that 99 percent of you are. Uh, you, you, you want, you're going to want to give this a read. Again, it's, uh, it's you know, the Arizona Daily Star's website, Tucson.com. You can go to the sports page, the, they call it the Wildcats page, and uh, read Bruce Pascoe's article about, about Benedict Matherin. Take, you know, 10 minutes out of your day, read the article. It's phenomenal. It's, it, is, it is eye-opening, it's awakening, and, and Bruce did a phenomenal job putting it all together, and uh, I, support, uh, I support all of that stuff. So uh, good stuff there. You'll also know that in the in the article, I will say this: I will steal some of the thunder because it, it is you know we'll all find out here, uh, you know, in a while. <clears throat> that uh, Tommy Lloyd 
is no longer going to be in the green room with Benedict Matherin. It was originally discussed that Tommy was going to make the trip to Brooklyn with Ben to sit in the green room with him alongside his sister. However, uh, those plans have changed. Jack Murphy, associate head coach of Arizona basketball, is going to be sitting with Ben. And do not read anything into this other than the fact that this is 100% on the relationship that Ben and Jack have together. They have known each other for quite some time. Uh, Jack has probably known Benedict for a third of his life. And those two have a very, very tight relationship. And trust me when I say this, this is not a situation where Tommy just had somewhere else he needed to be or somewhere better to be tonight than to be alongside his player that he coached for one year. This is a situation where he uh, is is – giving Benedict the opportunity and Jack the opportunity to be together one more time on a very special day for both of them because Benedict was a you know was a player that was recruited by Jack Murphy and those two have you know gotten very close they've developed a great relationship over the years and Jack knows a lot about Ben certainly a lot more than Tommy does and this is a this is a situation where a decision was made to just kind of Keep it in the player's perspective as opposed to putting the head coach there who's coached him for a year, who didn't recruit him, didn't know him until he got to Tucson, really, and saw him, you know, met him uh, at, at, you know, at the team meeting for the first day, you know, the, the first time. So this, this is 100%. People are going to read into it and they're going to be like, oh, Tommy Lloyd obviously got something better to do than be at the draft with Benedict Matherin. That is not the case, okay? This is 100% in Ben's interest to be with with a, a coach that he's developed a relationship with over the years, years of time, uh, in Jack Murphy. So I, I 100% wholeheartedly support that decision. Good for them for uh, uh, for doing that for Ben. It's you know it's, it's important that you have the most influential people in your lives. You know in that moment, and uh, that's certainly Jack Murphy is is one of them for sure. For Benedict, so good, uh, good on them. So it's just a little snippet in in the in the article that if you read, it, I don't want you to be alarmed. Like, oh, Tommy's not going to be there. He, you know, what's what's going on? Is he on a recruiting? Why can't he be there? You know, take one night aside. It's that's not it. Okay, this was a decision that was made for Ben. Okay, um, and and that's you know that's where they that's the perspective that they kept when they were uh, when they were making that decision. So yeah, check it out, man. It is it is fantastic. Uh, also, Wildcat news, Shane Noel, former Wildcat commit, of course, was with the Wildcats last year and, uh, you know, brother of, uh, of Jalen, who's in the, uh, in, the in, in the NFL, in the NBA. Uh, Shane has uh, committed to transfer to UNLV. Um, I, look, I've said this about, about Shane before. Great kid. Super, just a great attitude. Wonderful young man to be around, and I wish him all the best at UNLV. That's a good landing spot for him. He'll get plenty of time to play there. He showed, uh, you know, a lot while he was here. He was just in a situation where the guys in front of him were absolute units, like just dudes, right? I mean, guys are going to be taken in the first round of the NBA draft. We're sitting in front of him, uh, you know, on that uh, on that depth chart, and he just wasn't going to break through. So uh, happy for Shane Noel. He'll get a chance to showcase himself at UNLV, and I wish him all the best. He's a good player. He is a good player, but he's a great kid, and uh, I wish him all the best. He 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 did all the right things while he was here at Arizona. Towed the rope in the you know in the right direction, all that kind of stuff, uh, and just a good kid. And and, and uh, I wish him all the best, and we should too. 
Plenty of other things to get into today. We'll have some NFL talk as we do every single day here on the Jeff Dean Show. That is my promise to you. We'll definitely be talking some NFL uh, because, as I mentioned, I'm going to be doing my top players under the age of 25 players you'd start your franchise with, and there's plenty of, uh, of NFL to discuss in there as well, including, you know, what, what Roger Goodell had to say. You know, Roger Goodell basically said uh, what, you know, what I said yesterday. He doesn't have the power to remove Daniel Snyder from the Washington Commanders, that it's going to have to be the owners who remove him from that seat. He, as commissioner, he does not have the power to remove an owner. He can, you know, he can recommend to the ownership group that they maybe take a vote or, you know, kind of behind the scenes be like, hey, uh, you guys, just so you know, you kind of float the information out there uh, that, that, you know, one of the owners is doing things the way that Daniel Snyder's been doing them and just rely on the owners to then come together and kick the guy out. So we'll have to see about that. Uh, Sad news. Sad news. Yesterday the Ravens got horrible news yesterday, up and down, starting in the beginning, uh, you know, and and then, you know, going through the rest of the day as they found out that uh, the goose, Tony Siragusa, passed away at the age of uh, of 55, former member of the, the Ravens and the Colts, and one of the... One of the more jovial uh, personalities in the NFL during his time, obviously had plenty of of time on the sidelines. I think he was working for CBS, and uh, uh, you know, just a, seemed like a you know a fun, fun loving guy, and and you know, a lot like I, I always say this, you know, about Chris Farley. You know, Chris Farley was was one of those amazingly bright talents who just couldn't stop consuming things. And when I say consuming, like he consumed everything, whether it was spotlight, whether it was food, whether it was alcohol, whether it was drugs, whatever. He was a massive consumer of everything. And I'm not saying that Tony Siragusa was an alcoholic or a drug addict or anything, but the Goose, obviously, you know, you you saw him – during his time in the NFL and his time after the you know after he had retired from the NFL he looked like he was you know continuing to indulge in things and maybe wasn't in the best of health unfortunately and uh passed away at the age of 55 but he was a he was a fun player to watch um and a, you know, seemed like a great guy I never got a chance to meet him or anything but uh that's the, that was a tough loss yesterday i really like tony siragusa and uh rip the goose uh, passes away at the age of 55. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, we'll start talking NBA draft. I'll give my predictions for where the three Wildcats are going to end up. A couple of them may surprise you a little bit, and I'll give you some reasons why I believe they're a good fit with those teams. We'll talk about that next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show. Talking NBA draft, specifically the three Wildcats in the NBA draft tonight. That coverage starts at 5 p.m. on ESPN. You can watch and uh, watch the draft lottery 1 through 14. Watch at least one Wildcat be taken during that uh, during that time. His name is Benedict Matherin. Now, there's a another article that just came out this morning, uh, just a, a, like an hour and a half ago, maybe, um, from Julian McKenzie. <coughs> pardon me, on the Athletic, and you know I tout the Athletic. I love their article writers. I think they do a phenomenal job uh, as journalists writing these articles. This article is even longer 
than Bruce's article in the Daily Star. Now, this one focuses a little bit more on the pipeline coming out of Montreal, uh, of, of Canada's you know newest hoops hotbed and such. You know, guys like Lou Dort coming out of there, Chris Boucher, uh, Kem Birch from the Raptors. You know, guys like that uh, coming out of there. And Benedict Matherin being one of them. It, it's a. It, I didn't get a chance to read much of it. I was just kind of skimming through it here during the break. Um, but good stuff. Uh, like really, you know, honestly, good stuff there. And uh, if you give, if you have a, a subscription to uh, to the Athletic, it's literally pinned at the top of their main page, uh, the Benedict Matherin story. So you can check that out. It's right there at the top of their uh, of their list. And uh, Julian McKenzie looks like did a great job with this, kind of tracking down some guys. And it talks about his relationship with Lou, uh, Lou Jens Dort. And look, we all know that name, Lou Dort, who played at ASU and is now in the league and is considered one of the more uh, defensive stalwarts in the league and still kind of coming into his own. Has had a couple of big nights offensively, but has played well. He's built like a tank. Um, and they, they talked with Lou about Ben in the article, basically saying that Ben would always – because uh, Lou is like two, three years older than Benedict – and that Benedict would always try to play against Lou whenever they were in the kind of the same gym, the same uh, same playground, whatever. It was always trying to play against him. And a quote from from Lou Dort uh, that I just kind of skimmed over that I was that when I was reading the article, he basically says that, and, and I'm paraphrasing here because I don't have the article up in front of me or that paragraph. It's a really long, really long article. Uh, he says Benedict Matherin is going to be one of the toughest players to guard in the NBA. In a, in a few seasons. And I, I agree. And I think a lot of NBA scouts uh, agree with that as well, which is why he has started to creep up into that realm of, you know, I don't want to say can't miss project because, product, product because there have been plenty of, of misses in NBA history in the top five in the lottery. Um, but he, he's, he's creeping up into that, into that zone. Now, in regards to the NBA draft, it's pretty much, I mean, it's pretty much written in chalk who the top three players are going to be. In fact, so much so that Vegas has taken the odds off the board. Jabari Smith is going to go number one to the Orlando Magic. That's that's pretty much set in stone. Um, there is some discussion of whether he's a better player than Chet Holmgren or not. Uh, personally, I think Chet Holmgren is just kind of and I don't want to say it. I, I hate using the word just, and I hate that <laughs> that 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 Ryan Newman, NASCAR driver, pointed this out to me once because I, you know, he and I have had our problems in the past. Regardless, Chet Holmgren is a very very unique player, and if you judge the book by its cover, you will be doing yourself a grand disservice. Uh, I, he. He is a player that cannot be judged just by looking at him getting off the bus. <laughs> he is a remarkable talent. I love Jabari Smith. I, I love his game. He reminds me a lot of Kevin Durant. He shot 42% from beyond the arc. There were times in games where he just couldn't miss. It was like watching NBA Jam. He's on fire. Just walk down, just shoot the ball, turn around and shoot the ball, and it goes in. It was He would get on these, these streaks and just rip teams to shreds. Uh, and, and I love his game. I, like I said, I watched a lot of Auburn. Ba- I probably watched more Auburn basketball this year than I watched Gonzaga basketball. Chet Holmgren is like the 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 skinny Giannis to me. Like he's got ball handling skills. 
He's he's going to get knocked around because he doesn't have a whole lot on that frame of his, but they'll they'll work on that, I'm sure. Um, but I, listen, uh, Jabari Smith going number one, I can't argue with that. Chet Holmgren number number two to the Thunder, can't argue with that. And Paolo Bancaro, who has a, a lot of upside, I think, you know, if there is one guy that there there could potentially be question marks about, just because. He may he may not fit into the proper role or with the proper team. You know, the Houston Rockets are not very good, which is why they're you know they're drafting number three overall. Um, I I don't know. I I look I, I watched I watched Duke basketball several times this year. As did everybody subjected to that stuff because ESPN's always got them on the damn television. Uh, so I saw, I got to see Paolo Bancaro a lot. I was. I'll I'll just say less than wowed by Paolo Bancaro. So again, I, and, and, uh, you know, I'm not an NBA scout here. I just go from from what I see on the television screen. And there's a lot to see when you're watching Duke play North Carolina or you know Duke and Florida State, something like that. <clears throat> there's plenty to watch, and Duke has plenty of guys that are going to be in the league. And you're watching the center, and you're watching the point guard, and you're watching their three. Uh, you know, there's a lot. There's a lot to, to you know to mull over. Um, I didn't think that Paolo Bancaro was the third best player in the in the you know in the country this year, but that's just my opinion. Uh, a lot of people think he's the best player in the country. So I you know what do I, what the hell do I know? Regardless, those are the top three. It's basically lined in chalk. What happens at number four? The Kings are going to be the linchpin here. Do I think Benedict Matherin could go four? Absolutely, I do think he could go four. I don't think that he'll go four to the Kings because. If someone if someone drafts at number four, they're obviously looking for Jaden Ivey from Purdue. He's 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 a taller John ja Morant. He is explosive off the floor. He's fast. He can he's got great handles. He's not the best shooter. He's very streaky, but he just gets tons of buckets. Like he's a bucket getter. Uh, and and even though he doesn't fit in that you know in that backcourt with with uh, Davian Mitchell and De'Aaron Fox, you, you just figure that. Draft the guy, figure it out later. Okay, he's explosive, um, and he'll be fun to watch. So that's where I think Benedict Matherin comes into play next. And I do think, based on just my prediction of, of what I think teams are looking for and and the the you know the potential of a player, I think Benedict Matherin will be drafted number five overall by the Detroit Pistons. He gives them the athletic backcourt wing who can switch and defend three different positions. And he'll certainly fit us uh, nicely, fit nicely alongside uh, their point guard Cade Cunningham, and the accomplished scorer that's that's kind of turned into it, you know, really accomplished scorer there, Sadiq Bay in his second season, uh, who plays the three. So Ben can slide right in at the two position there. It gives them a backcourt of Cade Cunningham at six five. It would be Ben at six six and at Sadiq Bay at I think he's like six six or six seven. That's a nice sized backcourt there. All three can handle the ball, and all three can switch. All three can shoot the three. Uh, I, I think that's a that's a nice backcourt. Cade um, is more, you know, he's going to be the, the facilitator in that offense uh, it, amongst those three. But certainly having guys like Sadiq Bey, who's a little bit more of a slasher, less of a shooter, and Benedict, who's more of a spot-up shooter, I think that gives them a nice backcourt in Detroit, and they're going to start building something there. Uh, you know, they traded away Jeremy Grant. They've, they've gained some more assets. They've got $45 million to spend. They may go get DeAndre Ayton in this in this offseason. 
you know, would give them some really nice young assets, very athletic players. And that's where I think Benedict Matherin will go. And I'm not the only one. I'm looking at three mock drafts here right in front of me. Uh, CBS, Yahoo, and Bleacher Report all believe he's going to go number five overall to, to, to Detroit. It's a good fit, and I think it's the right fit for them. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When I return, what of Dalen Terry and Christian Coloco? We'll talk about that next right here on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to The Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Talking NBA draft here. Gave you uh, my opinion of where I think Ben Matherin will be drafted. I do believe that he'll be taken number five overall by the Detroit Pistons. Gives them a big, athletic, multiple uh, with multitudes of scoring angles and such backcourt. The one through three backcourt will be fun to watch in Detroit for years to come with Matherin, Cade Cunningham, and Sadiq Bey. So now let's move on to Dalen. Dalen has been basically projected everywhere uh, you can possibly imagine. Anywhere from when the whole draft process started in the mid-30s, been moved up as high as number 17 in some, uh, some mocks. I saw him going 17 to Houston uh, in one of the mocks. I, I mean, I, whatever. I mean, sure. I mean, it, it certainly could be that. I personally think that Dalen, and this is just my prediction because of team fit and what he brings to the table, and I, I think that the San Antonio Spurs at 20 would be doing cartwheels if they could get themselves a player like Dalen Terry, specifically Dalen Terry. Their current 1-3 lineup in the backcourt is six foot four, DeJounte Murray, six foot three, and six foot four. And the only productive player they've had in the past two years in their backcourt is DeJounte Murray. I mean he's been like everything for them, right? Like he's led the team in scoring, he's led the team in assists, he's led the team in steals, he's you know, he's been everything. He's he led the team in minutes played. Uh, he has been everything for them. And they look, it's amazing to me that they won more than 30 games. When you look at their roster, you're like, what? They, they traded Derek White away, obviously, to the Boston Celtics during the season, which you never, you never see the, the Spurs make trades uh, in, the, in, the, in the regular season, which was, was, straight, was strange to me. But they just don't, they don't get a whole lot of production out of guys. I mean, once they, once they lost Derek White, they lost their second-best scorer, then Keldon Johnson, you know, kind of elevated his game and became the, the next best scorer. But then after that, you had Jakob Pertl at the, at the center position, averaging about 13 and, what, 13 and 9 a game, I think, something like that. But really, the backcourt doesn't produce at all for, for, for San Antonio. And it's not like Dalen is going to come in and give them the, the initial scoring pop that they necessarily need. But what he does give them is nearly unprecedented length at the position. At a legit six foot seven, and again, I've talked about this before. I still think Dalen is going to grow another half inch to an inch. I, I do. Uh, I think that he's he's got another little bit of growing to do, just based on just based on things. Um, he doesn't, you know, so he doesn't give them that initial scoring pop, like I said, that I think that the backcourt really truly needs. But I don't think there's a guy available that does, to be honest with you. And just because Dalen 
didn't show it at Arizona doesn't mean that he doesn't have it. He just is a different type. He was a different type of player in this offense. But like I said, he does give them nearly unprecedented length at that position. There there are very few guys in the NBA that are going to play that position, you know, the two position, the three position, uh, with his ridiculous length. So you he gives them the ability to defend multiple positions, which is obviously huge for the San Antonio Spurs. Plus, you can run your offense through him. He's, he's a great facilitator. He's shown that he's got great ball skills. He can handle the basketball on the open floor. He can handle in traffic. He can You can run an offense through him if Murray gets in foul trouble or just needs rest or gets in you know gets hurt or whatever you can still run an offense through Dale and Terry for you know for a little bit of time i'm not saying he's going to come in rookie season and be you know six man of the year or or whatever be the starting point guard or whatever i'm just saying that i think for this particular situation drafting in the 20s for a team that just needs size like they are an undersized team them and like they in Toronto, like two teams that just could use a lot more size uh, on their team. So I like Dalen at the twentieth position. Um, I, I think that that San Antonio would be a, a really good fit for him. I think he steps in there immediately and can get minutes. You know, whether it be somewhere between like ten and fourteen minutes a game, probably uh, you know, right off the bat, uh, and and eventually work into a you know a more established role. I mean, he's, you know, more than like a, a Bryn Forbes or a Josh Richardson or something like that. I mean, obviously, uh, I think he's better than, than both of those guys. So um, I like Dalen going 20 to San Antonio. Worst case, I think he slips to 27 with Miami. I don't think he gets past Miami. Um, we've, we've talked about that, and I think it's a, a really good fit. And I know Miami likes him uh, just based on some of the things that I've, that I've read and heard. So I, I, I don't think that he goes past 27th. But I wouldn't be surprised to see him go 20th at San Antonio because that's kind of what I'm predicting. Um, and I, I may be a little, a little bit on the, on the high side here, and you may be thinking that. But uh, let's see here. Who is that? CBS. CBS has him going 20th to the San Antonio Spurs. How about that? Yeah, there we go. Oh, he, <laughs> Bleacher Report's got him tw- going 20th to the Spurs also. <laughs> okay. Well, then, there you go. So, uh, I'm not the only one, apparently, that thinks that. <laughs> I just literally looked at across the board here. I'm like, where else do they have him going? Like, oh, he's going to go on 20th here. All right, good. Now that brings us to Christian Coloco. Because Loco was a guy who, you know, we, we, we saw him grow at Arizona so rapidly uh, in his game. And I've often said that I feel like nobody improved their game more in their time at Arizona than Christian Coloco since, uh, since uh, you know, the time of Channing Fry. I don't think anyone's done a, a, a bigger growth in their game uh, from beginning to end than Christian Coloco since, since we saw what Channing Fry changed himself into uh, under Lute Olson. <clears throat> now, CeeLo was a guy who, you know, kind of changed his game for the better under Tommy. I feel like, with Tommy, he was able to do some different things as opposed to just be back-to-the-basket kind of guy. And with Tommy's more aggressive type of, of defense as far as not playing the pack line, you play pack line, your, your team's not going to get blocked shots. You just That's just not what it's designed to do. In Tommy Lloyd's defense, and, and this team's defense, 
protecting the rim is paramount because guys are going to get through. You've got to have a rim protector stay at home, and that's why Christian was the Pac-12 Defensive Player of the Year. I predict Christian Coloco, I, I, think, I think he'll slip further than he needs to because I think he brings more value than what the mocks and what the NBA scouts apparently have him at. I think he goes number 33 to the Raptors. That's my prediction. Um, I, I I just think that obviously, you know, they're, they're pretty solid at the center position, although you may debate whether Pascal Siakam is a center at six foot nine. Nonetheless, he's played the center position a lot, you know, in his time at the NBA, certainly played it last year for the Raptors, who don't even have a player taller than six foot nine on the entire roster. So, like, you know, Chris Boucher, six nine, um, you know, I mean, all of their guys are you know, six seven, six eight, six nine. They don't have a single guy over six foot nine. So, Christian would give them the legitimate seven footer, a rim protector, and a player who is athletic enough to run that system with them. Because they were a team that did. I think they were top eight in in uh, in pace last year in the NBA. So. They need athletes. You know, Siakam's a great athlete, which allows him to be that multiple-type center, that smaller center. But when you look at Toronto, where they really struggled last year, they allowed opponents to shoot 47% from the field last year. Now, the reason why is because they were 29th in the league in giving up second-chance points. You know why? Because they were dead last in the NBA in defensive rebounding. Dead last last in the league in defensive rebounding. Not to mention, they were 18th in the league in block shots. That's with Chris Boucher out there on the wing blocking like two and a half shots a game. So I think Christian Coloco is the perfect fit for the Toronto Raptors. And he is a guy that will come in immediately and come in and and get you probably, you know, a blocked shot you know, one and one into one and a half block shots a game in his nine to twelve minutes that he's going to see his rookie season in the NBA. But he'll also go up and get you athletic rebounds. He's a guy that will sky above the rim because he has a great leaping ability, right? And he's a quick leaper. You know, that's one of the things about about CeeLo that doesn't get discussed a whole lot. How quickly he gets off the floor. You always you talk about you know how fast guys can can get up. CeeLo is one of those guys. He can get up fast. He's not a guy that has to wind up and really get up there. And, you know, he doesn't have to. You know, he's a, just a phenomenal athlete. He's a great soccer player, obviously. Um, but he's a guy that can get up quick and get up high and get you those athletic rebounds, which obviously the Raptors need. Dead last in defensive rebounding last year and 29th in the league in giving up second-chance points. You get CeeLo, all that changes. Uh, again, it's not going, you're not going to go from dead last to, fir- to first in rebounding, but – you're going to get a guy in there that's at seven feet tall, going to protect the rim. He can run with the offense because you keep a pace of, I think they're seventh or eighth in the, in the NBA in pace. And he's shown he can shoot the three, which Toronto loves. They love big guys stepping out and shooting the three. That's why they got Boucher and Pascal Siakam. So I think 33 with the Raptors is the perfect fit for CeeLo. I personally still think it's too low for Christian with his skill set and his athleticism and what he brings, but it's a guard league. And guards, guards are going to run this league, and there's a lot of guards in front of him. As I mentioned, it's a deep draft. There's a lot of guards in front of him that are, that are you know, worthy of being drafted in those positions as well. At worst, I think 
Coloco ends up being picked 38th overall to San Antonio. San Antonio could would love a guy like Christian Coloco to back up Jakob Pertl. So I think, it, you know, I think he goes 33. At worst, he goes 38. So I've got Ben at five with the Pistons. Worst, eight, he's not getting past New Orleans at eight, period. No way. I've got Dalen going 20th overall to the Spurs. At worst, slipping to 27th for the with Miami. And I've got Christian Coloco going number 33 overall to the Raptors. At worst, 38th to San Antonio. So we'll talk. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll talk about that tomorrow and see how well my predictions played out and see where our boys are going to be playing the first the first leg of their NBA careers. All right, we'll take a timeout. We'll come back after this right here on ESPN Tucson. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. More of the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Things are happening today, folks. Breaking news from uh, people.com. Don't ask me why I'm surfing the People magazine uh, tabloids here. It's not even a tabloid. It's like like real stuff. Uh, Kendall Jenner is reportedly... Single after her and NBA star Devin Booker have ended their relationship after two years together. Oh, my goodness. Finally, finally, Devin Booker can be rid of the jinx of that family who have done nothing but bring losses to pro athletes for years. Why couldn't he have done this months ago? Or maybe he did and was just kind of going through it. Look, that was kind of the rumor, honestly. Like, this is a rumor that I heard from somebody inside the organization was that uh, Devin's mind was elsewhere for a minute and was trying to, you know, work out some of the things in his life. And I'm like, girls. That's immediately where I went to. I was like, girls. That's what it means. Girls. Young man, good-looking guy, makes a lot of money. Girls. You know, so now uh, apparently they have broken up. It's two months too late, but uh, according to People Magazine, they are done. So no more Devin Booker and Kendall Jenner. Oh no, what are what are the uh, you know what are the the paparazzi going to do? Or what do you call the people who? I'm sure there's a, you know like some kind of a name or a stigma attached to them, like the people that that just sit there and watch like all the celebrity relationships. I'm sure there's there's like a term for those people. Well, there's anything. Look, everybody's got their hobbies and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with it. Uh, but these, these, it's going to set these people off, man. This is big news in their world. <laughs> For me, I'm just glad to be done with the the Jenners and the Kardashians. I hope that Devin learned a lot from his time uh, in being with uh, that family. Now, now, honestly, like from what i've heard and stuff and you know people i i, I don't look i don't follow hollywood i certainly don't follow relationships i had to ask somebody if j-lo and mark anthony were still together <laughs> they were like uh they've been divorced for like eight years man like oh, okay that makes sense so i don't really follow that kind of stuff i've heard that kendall was kind of like the different like the different daughter the different member of that family like she was she had good head on her shoulder. She wasn't quite as crazy or loony as the rest of them. Eh, whatever. The apple rarely falls far from the tree. Glad for Devin. 
Maybe I'll see him on uh, Call of Duty again. Play some Call of Duty with Devin Booker. That's fun. All right, that's going to wrap things up for hour number one. Today's edition of the Jeff Dean Show coming up on hour number two. My list of the players I would start a franchise with in all four of the pro franchise, all four of the, uh, the pro leagues. That coming up and other news and notes in the world of sports. Stick around. Just a quick little two-minute turnaround. We'll toss it to ESPN for a sports center. I'll see you right back here for hour number two on ESPN Tucson. It's the Jeff Show. This is ESPN Tucson, 1490 KFFN AM Tucson, K285DL1049FM Tucson, and KMXC HD4 Tucson.